We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is mailbag time, Vince, and we don't have a lot, so we'll get okay. to these here now. Uh, if you all have more questions, Vince will will sit, will will star them, and we'll talk about them. But now we're going to do mailbag time and get to our mailbag, and we're going to kick off with a super chat from Tommy Guns. Tommy doesn't even have a question; he just wants to follow up with what we were just talking about. He says, "Happy Thanksgiving to IB and to all the beautiful people who have to deal with me in the chats every day. We love it, Tommy." <laughs> Well, Tommy's it. on his way home for Thanksgiving, which yes. is awesome too. So we love have a it. Safe trip, my man. We love it. And Tommy, I'll I'll address the thing with you that you just asked. Uh, oh. I'll get with you personally, and we'll we'll kind of go over that. Detroit Hunter also with a happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Let's go, IB Nation. Appreciate you, nice. Detroit Hunter, very 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 much. We have a super chat from Michael S. Our guy Michael S. With Cam potentially out, Cam Hart, who replaces him? positive and negative consequences. I think the most likely option is that when Notre Dame goes with their base defense, you're going to see Tariq Bracey outside. And yeah, when Notre Dame is in their, was in their nickel package, there's really two ways they can go with it. And I don't know which one they're going to do. One is keep Tariq outside and because their outside receivers to the field tend to be smaller. So he, it's not the mismatch that it would be if he's in the boundary. And you use his speed to your advantage. And then you go with the third, a third safety in the slot. Or you could maybe put Jade Mickey in the slot, and then you have protection behind him a little bit, which I actually think would probably be my ideal scenario. Or the other option is they could put Clarence Lewis in the slot uh, and then have safety help over top of him. Or they could go Clarence Lewis outside to the field and Tariq would stay inside uh, in the slot, which then to me would mean probably more zone to the field with Clarence, I would imagine. Uh, you know, so we'll see if, if that's the case. But, you know, the negative consequences are one of your best players, it wouldn't be right. in the game in that situation. Right. If that's the case, the positive consequence. I mean, I don't know if there's positive consequences to him not being in the. I can't think of a positive of him not. Playing. Right. Right. It's he's your best about, option. Right. When, he's, when right. he's healthy, he is your best option. Yes. 100%. He's a very good player. It's just yes. about can the other guy step up and get you through a game if, right. if he can't play. Right. So I think that, uh, uh, that that's to answer your question, Michael, it's it, positive consequences. The positive consequence is this next man in philosophy wins the day, right? That's the positive thing. There's no positive to camping out other than somebody steps up and you're proud of the the way that they stepped up in his absence. 
the negatives obviously far outweigh that. It doesn't necessarily change my mind on who I'm going to predict this week, you know, but it's definitely something that gives you pause and makes you wonder how are they going to handle it if, if in fact, he cannot go in this game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Tyler Evans with a super chat. If you're out golden, are you putting Benjamin Morrison on Addison or Mario Williams? I mean, he's he's playing a side. He's not playing a man. Right. right? So what so, you're saying is do what you do. Correct. Don't. He's gotten very good at playing the boundary. Correct. Let him. He's still a freshman. Yeah. Don't now put him out of his comfort zone. Right. Because you want to match up with him. You're not there yet with him. Right. Right. Let him just it's, be who he is. It's very similar to when um, Kyle Hamilton was a freshman. Right. They just let him go out and play. They, they didn't put a lot on his plate as far as scheme and responsibilities and being a leader. They just let him play. That's what they're doing with Benjamin Morrison. They're just letting him play. You can't all of a sudden, the last game of the season, put all kinds of responsibilities on his shoulders and all these other things. That's not fair to him. It's not fair to this defense. And you're not going to get the best Benjamin Morrison, in my opinion, if you do that. Mm-hmm. Just let him play the way he's been playing and he's going to be just fine so he's going to play the boundary he's gonna be really really good in the boundary i guarantee you caleb williams is going to try to pick on him because he's still a true freshman and my hope is that he continues to play the way he's been playing and he makes him pay for it so mm-hmm. yeah yep michael s also says is uh caleb williams to sc the same as trevor lawrence to clemson yeah now is do i think caleb's caleb williams is as good as trevor lawrence probably not but it's close but he means as much exactly to their offense as trevor meant to that offense without a doubt without a doubt i mean he he is to he is to them what trevor was to clemson if you're going to talk individually i'd probably put trevor a little ahead of him but 
I mean, he is the heart and soul of that offense. Yes. Emotionally, yes. physically, playmaker-wise. All of the above. He's the heart and soul of that offense. It, this and, offense um, isn't the same without him yeah. in it. Vince, we I'll ask you this question that we were t- we were talking about this. Somebody said this kind of jokingly. I think they were saying it jokingly, but we answered the question literally. And somebody said, So what you're saying is if Caleb Williams is Notre Dame's quarterback, we'd be undefeated. And my answer was heck yes. We'd yeah. be talking about Notre Dame being a championship team. Yes. And playing, I mean, they'd be a top four seed. They'd beat Ohio State if Caleb Williams is a quarterback. Right. In my they'd opinion, I mean, he's that good of a player, in my yes. view. They he would have been able to do enough to get the offense over the hump against Ohio State. No doubt in my mind, and they have—they definitely don't lose to Marshall and Stanford. They just don't. I mean, they don't. I, I mean, that's—I don't need to get more in the weeds yeah. than that. They just well, don't. Because you know he wouldn't have the same receiver talent he has at USC. Correct. But it'd still be pretty flipping good. Caleb Williams would love throwing to Michael Mayer first. Absolutely. Of all. Braden Lindsay would have a thousand yards right yes. now. Yes. Exactly in this offense, right. right? The backs would be effective, and he would have a a, a better running game. And he'd have a much better defense on the other side of the ball, too. And all that stuff factors in. So maybe yeah. Notre Dame doesn't have as many yards and points as I, I think they actually would, though. I think Notre Dame would be scoring well over 40 points a game if Caleb I agree. Score. And that's no disrespect to Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner. He's just that good of a player. Yeah. And you know? I guarantee you, if you ask those two, they'd say the same thing. Is Caleb Williams better quarterback than you? Got? I mean, mm-hmm. if you gave him truth serum, you know what I mean? Like that kind of a sure. situation. It's not something you ask in a press conference, but it's like, yeah, he's just a really good player. Period. Yeah, absolutely. He's pretty good. <laughs> he's pretty good. Yeah, Riza with a monster Boom. super chat, my friend. We appreciate you, Riza, very, very, very much. So this reminds me of old school Stanford going up against Chip Kelly's Oregon teams. Always gave them fits. Thirty-seven twenty-three Notre Dame. Riza, we appreciate you so much. Not just for this super chat. But all the others and all the support that you've given Irish Breakdown over the years, man, we we are very very thankful for you. You know, I think the analogy is there. I think it's also because remember, Stanford even before they got good gave USC some problems. Absolutely. Remember they beat USC in 07 and then later lost to Notre Dame. Yeah. USC did right, but it was that physical style of play, that downhill run game. You know, this is a much better uh, this is a much better Notre Dame team than that Stanford team, but. I think USC kind of slept walk through that game a little bit too. Let's be honest because you Stanford wasn't very good, but to his point, but here's the thing about the Stanford Oregon stuff. When it worked, they were able to, to beat those Oregon teams, but there's also some years where Oregon beat them like 52 to 31. Right. You know what I mean? So right. it didn't always work. You know what I mean? It, it comes down to execution and, and playing your game and, and getting the job done. And, and that's going to be kind of a, a key in this game is sure. Look, you got to execute. The style, your style can work, but you, you've got to have a good game plan and you've got to execute Vince. And, and it's a style that USC isn't used to this year. I mean, right. Notre Dame does have that advantage going into the game is that Notre Dame plays a style of football that USC has not seen. I'm not saying that USC can't handle it because we haven't seen them play it, right? And that also means that Notre Dame needs to bring that to the game. They need to get that on the plane and they need to go three time zones and they need to play that way, right? They need to be themselves. So yes, that's an advantage for Notre Dame going in because they haven't seen it because, they, they, you know, but we don't know how USC is right. going to respond. We don't. Well, Vince, to your point, this is something from, and again, Reza, thank you so much for your super chat, buddy. Sean Stewart says this, the physicality of this team from the Notre Dame has surprised opponents. 
Uh, will that play something into the game as well if Notre Dame just comes out in there first drive and is physical? And, and I think there was no better evidence of that than the Clemson game. I mean, Clemson players said that afterwards. It's like they expect right. the Notre Dame to be physical, but it's one thing to see it on film. It's nothing to feel it, experience it. Yeah. Right. And it caught them off guard. And and then Notre Dame just kind of bulldozed. And that's what happened in 2017. Like, USC was a pretty good team in USC in 2017. I mean, they they were. And, you know, they were a top 15 team. They weren't they weren't as good record-wise as this team, but they were still a pretty darn good football team in 27, uh, 2017. I mean, you, you had 42-24 win over ranked Stanford team. They beat Texas that year. They beat Cal. They had an upset loss to Washington State. Then they bounced back with a 38-10 win over Oregon State. Then they beat a, a really good Utah team uh, that year in 2017. And then, well, actually, they, Utah was good at that time. They ended up not finishing really well, but they were they were pretty good at the time. And then they come into Notre Dame and they just get curb stomped. And then after the Notre Dame game, they they blew out Arizona State, smacked Arizona, beat Colorado convincingly, beat UCLA, beat Stanford in the Pac-12 title game. You know, and ended up being a pretty good team at the end of the year. But they, the physicality of what Notre Dame had, they just weren't ready for. And but then it wasn't just the physicality as we've talked about. It was coming out early, hitting a couple shots down the field to back their defense off, and then the run game just took over. And so. Yeah, it can be jarring if you play that way, but Notre Dame's offense still has to be a little bit more consistent in that regard. They're not; they're still because it's still a relatively young offense. They still have to be a little bit more consistent with that with that type of play. But if they play their game and they play with the physicality we saw against BC, the physicality we saw against Clemson, then yeah, it's going to be it's it's it, it can it can get you off. Like you think. I don't know if I want to blitz through this hole as hard as I did last time, because the last two times I did this, Blake Fisher destroyed me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I want to do this or Zeke Carell just got up in my chest and knocked me down or Josh Lug buried me. Like, oh, I don't know if I want that 320 pound dude landing on me again. Right. Right. I mean, that, that happens. Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like you get hit in the face so many times. Like, man, I'm, I'm tired of getting hit in the face right now. I think I'm not going to put myself in a position to get hit in the face again. And so, um, yeah, it can be that way, Vince. Will yeah. it? I don't know. Exactly. Don't know. And that's a big question, right? It, you said it best. Seeing it on film and feeling it are two completely different things. Yes, that is an advantage that Notre Dame has, but they have to use that advantage, you know, and, yeah. and USC has to just, they kind of have to take it, right? Yeah. I mean, if they fight back and they're just as physical, then it's no longer an advantage. So you have to make it your advantage. Yep, Absolutely. Let's get down to here. Another one here from uh, Michael S. Utah tight end had great success at USC. Good for Notre Dame. Well, it's not so much, in my opinion, Vince, that that he had success and that all of a sudden immediately translates to success for Notre Dame. It's more about, I think, how you use your tight end is in areas where I think USC can be vulnerable. Sure. So two things. Number one, USC, to me, they'll play a lot of man coverage. And they don't have linebackers that can run with your tight end with with Michael Mayer. Number one, number two, they will also mix up with their man coverage a lot of zone fires. I mean, they're not a pure man coverage team. I should make, be more clear. They're going to be man coverage against Notre Dame because they're going to want to put the safeties in the box and they're going to basically say we're not going to let your right. you know we're, we're not going to we're going to make you beat us with your perimeter guys. And so it's not that they are a heavy zone man team during the season. They run a lot of zone fires. Uh, they're going to try to do things to bait your quarterback into mistakes. The problem with that is, is that they also leave a lot of holes open. 
and that's where a tight end can have some success, especially and, the best and, one in the country. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so I think those are those are really kind of more of where it comes down to for me is is being able to find those zones. And look, the kid from from uh, from Utah is, I mean, he's the only other really tight end in the country that can match Mayer when stats Dalton Kincaid. So yeah, you're going to watch a lot of that film to see some things that you can do, but it's really just about their defense and how they play leaves them vulnerable to it because they can't stop the run with just their base, with just their box, right? And so that's if you're Notre Dame, you, if you're Notre Dame, you want them loading the box up because that means your run game's going and it's working, and that's where you can have some success. But it's not just Michael Mayer; it's the running backs, absolutely. It's Mitchell Evans, yes. It's it's Holden Stace. It's getting the the receivers in space on some some routes, some climbs, some crossers, some things where if you can if you can run a crossing route, you know maybe off of like a short motion and you have a vertical release by Mayer and then Lindsey kind of comes from the outside on a little crosser and if you catch them in that route again on a on an inside blitz, man, you get that ball out quick to Barry Lindsey and he is off. You know, there's going to be things like that that you can do if you catch them right, and that's what football is. That's what the chess match is. It's like. Oh, what a great call, you know, and like, well, they called the same thing two series before and it got blown up because right. they weren't in the defense. That's the chess match. Of, so, but I, I'm going to I'm not going to give up on it because I I think we're going to catch them in this on one of these third downs. And then the next time, you know, you, you're in a third and five or a second and five out of this alignment where you think they're going to do this. They do it. You call that play again and bam, you hurt them with it. And so uh, that's. That's going to be a key. But, yeah, that's what we said. The stars got to be stars, and this is a matchup Michael Mayer yeah. should have success. Sure. I kind of feel like the only way Mayer doesn't have success, Vince, is if they just focus their entire game plan around him. And if you do that, then there needs to be a lot of other stuff that Notre Dame can go to mm-hmm. in this game, like a lot of other stuff. Roger Dodger with a question, our USC fan. He says, uh, some Notre Dame fans think a spy for Caleb is a good idea. Does this take away too much from Notre Dame pass protection? Okay, I'm going to say this, Vince. I hate this. I hate using a spy. I know you do. I, I, I can't. I don't think I've ever seen a scenario where that worked. Because here's the thing. Oh well, what if it's Lamar Jackson? What linebacker on my roster can be seven yards deep, and if Lamar gets in space, is going to catch him? I've had, I've had two linebackers in the last twenty years at Notre Dame that could do that. Two, Jalen Smith and Jeremiah Usukoromoa. That's it. They're not on the roster, right? And even then, I'm using those guys to attack. Yes. I don't like the idea of spies. There are times on third and 12 where maybe I'm going to have my middle linebacker drop to the sticks to prevent the in-breaking routes. Sure. But if you see the quarterback taking <laughs> off, you got to get downhill and get them. Right. Maybe then. But my spy is my defensive line. I don't need a spy if he's laying on his back. Got to keep him in the pocket. Exactly. But also if he's laying on his oh, back. Oh, yeah, well, that you know too. What I mean? yes. like, Absolutely. And so I'm just not a spy person. I think if you're using a spy, it's because you don't trust your defense. Right. And Notre Dame didn't use a spy on, on Drake May. They didn't use a spy on – now what they did was is they did some run stunts that then occupied the middle and he couldn't step into the pocket. And there was one time where they they stunted Maris Lufau right into the – he was lined up outside and stunted right into the middle. Drake May tries to run on third down, and Maris is right there to blow him up. Do that stuff. Your spy is your call. But as far as taking a linebacker, a safety, uh, somebody else and spying them, uh, it's just not my thing. I'm just yeah. not a fan of that. Not a fan of that. Vince, you're uh, 
You said that you know I'm not, but what is your stance on that? No, I, I agree with you completely because it's a mismatch. I mean, it, and you're and in my opinion, you're, you're taking one out of your defense because now you're playing defense with 10 most of the time unless he takes off and then you're in a mismatch anyway. And that's, look, football's a numbers game. It's about matchups. You, you're, you, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. This was just really funny for Roger know, Dodger. I, 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 USC I, had a spy on Vince Young, and he put LOL on there. Like, yeah, how'd that work out? Like, he's exactly. admitting, like, how'd that work out for USC? In that right, game? right, exactly. So, if, if it's a numbers game, why am I playing defense with ten? And when the eleventh guy gets involved, it's a mismatch. Like, that's not a matchup. That's not a what I want from my defense. So, mm-hmm. no, I am not a spy guy either. And I will say that over my years of knowing you. You have converted me to that. Yes. And duh. <laughs> in high school, maybe it's a little different, but like correct in co- because in this level of college yes. football, I just I don't think it works. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's get to some more uh questions here. We have we have this from um let me find it here from Tyler Evans. We have a super chat from Tyler Evans. So I'm here in LA and I forgot how USC fans are <laughs> rude and annoying. P.S. I'm going to the game. Well, have fun, Tyler. I've never really been around a lot of USC fans, to be honest with you. Um, so I have, and I hate I hate painting with a broad brush of over an entire fan base because that's not fair, to be honest with you. Uh, USC fans are LA people, and generally, LA people are they kind of have an air about them. They're you know they kind of have a snooty kind of that. That's always been my impression of the overall arching USC fandom. But I will also say that my cousin is a USC alum. We're real close. I went with her to a USC pep rally in Chicago one year, long time ago when I was still in college. And it was before Notre Dame home game, obviously with USC. So it was in October. They were super nice. They were super welcoming to me. I mean, it wasn't like I was wearing Notre Dame stuff, but I wasn't wearing USC stuff either. So I mm. stuck out. And, you know, they were all really kind people, but the general essence is they're all kind of, uh, you know, they're right. LA-ish. They're, they're Southern California, LA people. They're Hollywood. You know? so, right. Exactly. So, you know, I hate USC. I want to beat them every time, but I don't really have a problem with their fans like I do, I don't know, Michigan, Michigan fans, for example. Ohio State. Yeah, exactly. LSU. I, yes, 100%. So I'm actually, I actually, there is a, there is a respect for me for USC fans. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you answered that, Vince, because like I said, I've never really been around any of them. Sure. I've never, that I can think of, I've never had USC fans trying to run their mouths on Twitter disrespectfully. I've never, uh, you know, I was on, I've been on a couple shows with USC beat writers and they were very kind and gracious and complimentary of, of the conversations we would have. And so, I mean, just my limited, my limited um, experiences, but it's just, it's just so limited. It, you know, it's just kind of hard to, to say that, that that's the case, but I mean, that's just kind of, yeah, that's kind of my experience. So, and, and, but again, there's going to be jerks just oh, like always. there's Notre, there's, there's Notre Dame fans that I think are jerks. I mean, yes, <laughs> I, I block a lot of LSU fans on Twitter cause they're idiots, but I've blocked my fair share of us and Notre Dame fans as well. Cause they don't know how to act. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. So everybody has those, right? Everybody yep. has those. That's why I don't like painting that. the broad brush. You know right. what I mean? Because uh, uh, with fair. some people, with okay, Michigan fans and Ohio State fans, I have no problem painting, <laughs> with the, painting with the broad brush. Yeah, because it's a, reality. Not a you good know? experience so, at either yeah. place. Yeah, they're kind of. I'll say that. Kind of. 
yeah, they're kind of, you know, what's kind of <laughs> D, you know, what's so. No, so J- Irish Mills 540. Brian, who are you on the phone with? Keon, Peyton, all jokes. Uh, my <laughs> wife is who I'm on the phone with. So she's much more important than Keon and Peyton, to be honest That's true. with you. Those are true uh, statements. So, yes, yes. Here's an interesting question from Joseph Barrett. It says, Brian, is, was Reggie Bush the best off the best USC player you have ever seen? My answer to that is he's the best offensive player I've ever seen from USC. The best player I've ever seen from USC to me is, is one of two players, and they're both defensive players. Junior Seau and Troy Polamalu were phenomenal, phenomenal football players. Reggie Bush was a tremendous player. He was the closest thing I've seen to Rocket Ismail in college. Mm-hmm. As far as just the dynamic, like every time he touched the ball, you kind of <sighs> held your breath a little bit. Yeah. Like, what's this cat going to do? Yeah, You know what I mean? He was yeah. incredibly fun to watch. And, and a great player, but he also was surrounded by other great players, which made it a little harder to defend him because you had Lindell White, you had Dwayne Jarrett, you had Matt Leinert. I mean, those teams were loaded. Uh, th- so, you know, this isn't meant to take anything away from him, but Junior Seau was special. I mean, he, and Troy Palomalu might be number one. Like, he might be number one on that list. He was an unreal, when healthy, an unreal college football player, in my opinion. Just because it's like, what position does he play? I don't know. Like defense. You know what I mean? Like they just used him so uniquely. And I think that's what was special about Reggie Bush too, is Reggie Bush wasn't a traditional running back. I mean, he would catch, he would return kicks. I mean, he, you didn't know where he was going to get the ball. And that's what made him so fun. That's what made Rocket so dangerous. Like early in the game, he's outside, he's catching go routes and screens and all that. And then the fourth quarter, they put him a tailback and they're running toss sweep with him. It's like, seriously? You know what I mean? Like now we got to deal with this after you've been hammering us with you with Anthony Johnson and you know Rodney Culver and all these guys the whole game. Now you're going to throw rocket at us in the fourth quarter when we're tired and run a throw a toss play to a guy running a four two. Like you got to be kidding me, you know? But uh, Reggie was that's how Reggie was. I mean, you just just he was fun to watch, man. He was a ton of fun to watch. And this is why I kind of laugh. People say, "Oh, you know, Notre Dame's got to lower their academic standards." Reggie Bush was a tre- really good student. He could have easily gotten into Notre yes. Dame. They recruited him. He was yeah, a, he re- was recruited by Notre yeah. Dame. Yeah, he was over three. He didn't come. He did not come to Notre Dame because he couldn't academically get into school. It's because, well, we know some of the reasons why he went to USC. But he was a, whether they paid him or not. He was a West Coast kid. He was end up going to end up going to USC, especially in that era when he was coming out. That's when USC had just started getting good under Pete Carroll. You know, and. and was a great player. So, but but yep. Troy Palomalo is probably my number one. And and maybe somebody can make a case for Seau. I barely remember Seau in college. Yeah, and I don't. Like I was like I was like no. ten or eleven. I just remember thinking, wow, this guy's really good. You know, as a ten or eleven year old because he was drafted in ninety. So it was like that 88, 89 years when Notre Dame was really good. Seau was on the other team, right? And they had some Mark Carey was on that team. You know, Willie McGinnis was on that team a few years later. Like man, they were putting like NFL dudes out every year on that defense. But Paul Amalu was special for me. I mean, he was really, really good. Really, really good, Vince. I, what's your answer to that question, Vince? Well, for, for me, it's Reggie Bush. And I and I a hundred percent like I love your answer and and Troy Palomalu. Like I remember Troy more from the NFL, I would say, than I did from college. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. That's just how my brain works. And but I remember Reggie Bush from college, not the NFL. And and mm-hmm. and you said it best when you said that every time you touched the ball, you just kind of held your breath. Yeah. That's how I felt watching Reggie Bush play the game. Right. Like it was, it was straight up jealousy 
that he was on USC and not at Notre Dame. Like for me, mm-hmm. like, he was so good. It was like, man, it would have been great to see him in blue and gold, you know? So yeah, he, he's the one for me. So just real quick, some people are saying things like, um, um, so-and-so is the best player they've ever had. And I'm like, well, that's fine. You know, guys, Anthony Davis, Michael, that may be true for you. But the question for us was, is Reggie Bush the best player we've ever seen? I never, I wasn't born when Anthony Davis and Charles White were in college. I wasn't born when um, OJ Simpson was in college. I wasn't born then. I never saw those guys play. I never saw, you know, I didn't, those guys were out of the NFL by the time I was born, much less, you know, seeing him in college. So if you, Marcus Allen, the only Marcus Allen I remember is the one that for the Raiders and the Chiefs. I never saw him play at USC. Yeah. So uh, Ronnie lots the same way. So just so you we're answering who's the best we've ever seen. I never, I never saw those guys. Just like I can't say that Joe Montana is the best. People say, well, why don't you ever bring up, I've had people, why don't you ever bring up Joe Montana when you talk about the best Notre Dame quarterbacks ever? I never saw Joe Montana play at Notre Dame. Like he was literally gone by the time I was born. Right. Or no, I was a baby. I think because Joe Montana's last year was 78, right, Vince? I think it was 78. I was born in May yeah. of 1978. So, like, right. I was, I, I wasn't alive at all. So, yeah, yeah, I wasn't even paying attention to anything yeah. other than, I don't, you know, eating and pooping and sleeping. That's the only thing I cared about that year. You know what I mean? Um, it's kind of gross, but I, I can't speak to that. Like, I don't get into the greatest player of all time. Like, I can't yeah. tell you if Bill Russell or Wilt Chamberlain was better than Shaq. I never saw those guys play. Right, exactly. I can tell you the two best big men of my life were Shaq and Hakeem Olajuwon. Those are the two. I, I don't know if they were better than Wilt Chamberlain. I never saw Wilt Chamberlain play. Well, he scored 100 points in a game. I didn't see oh, it. Okay. I wasn't alive yet. It was a black and white picture. Right. Like I didn't I didn't see that one. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure that wasn't even right. televised. Like it was right. a picture afterwards of him holding up a thing that says 100. Right. So, that's kind of that's kind of my thing is it's it's I always try to keep it to that. Now, what I love is when I talk to older folks like who can tell me about? Because like I would listen to Lou Samoji about how good Anthony Davis was, and he'll talk yeah. about that second half. What I think it was like seventy four, seventy four. I think they were talking about it right. In the chat. The only reason and where Notre Dame had a big lead at halftime, and the second half Anthony Davis went off. You know, and uh, that was that was pretty special. But I, I didn't see that. I would love to see that. Sure. And you know that that would be that would be fun. But I just never saw saw those guys. So I'd love to have that chat someday. No doubt. So a couple more before we get out of here. Uh, John Wayne's Winchester with a super chat. Thank you. Styles make fights stylistically on paper. Do we match up better against Southern Cal or Clemson? Who wins Southern Cal versus Clemson? What well, depends on the side of the ball? I think Notre Dame defense matches up better against Clemson. Notre Dame offense matches up better against USC. Right. In my opinion. So that'll make that's what make it interesting. Absolutely. Uh, Irish Mills 540. Brian in the 540 in my name in my name is for Roanoke, Virginia. Okay, great. That's fellow fellow Virginia or fellow native of the Commonwealth, as as am I. I know you're fellow Virginian too. Question is, do you see Notre Dame continue to find talent out of the state of Virginia? Well, they're trying to get Brandon Hillman, who's from Churchland, which is out in Portsmouth, the Chris Tyree. They're going to continue to recruit Virginia. It's just never going to be volume. It's going to be a kid here, a kid there, a Chris Tyree, a CJ Procise and hopefully Brandon Hillman, who they're recruiting now, it's always going to be those guys. It's never going to be volume. But, yes, they'll definitely continue to try. There's some uh, 2024 linebacker named Chris Jones that they're trying to recruit who's a really good football player. So they'll they'll recruit Virginia. It's just it's going to be more targeted 
Vince, then it's going to be like volume. They're not going to sign like six yep. dudes out of Virginia like they did in Texas. Right. I don't think you're going to see something like that. Right. Uh, somebody said, is the Coliseum run down from Derek Hart? I've heard it is. I think it is. I mean, and I haven't been since 2016, and it was run down. The city well, was running down. For and, Ro- and Roger Dodger said that they've renovated it in lieu of the 28 Olympics that are going to be okay. in L.A. So, I mean. Once the 28 Olympics? Is that? Yeah. Okay. Yes. But I. I couldn't tell you. I've only heard yeah. bad things about the Coliseum as far as it being run down, to be honest with you. So yeah. I, but I've never been there. I've never been in California. Yeah. I don't never. like it. So, yeah, I don't like it. I'm, I'm really not a fan of it. So, and then the last question that we have is this one. Um, all right. Where are we at here? Okay. It's from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Nice. Uh, and he says, um, if Pete Carroll never left USC, how do you think they would have been mm. as a program? I think they were kind of trending down, to be honest with you, uh, under Pete. You know, they they were a little bit more vulnerable. You know, we're losing games that they didn't normally lose. You know, they had that bad Stanford loss in 2007, uh, which was just a really bad loss because that was a bad Stanford. I mean, what that's was how last bad, year, 08? Uh, I believe so. Oh, uh, nine? Oh, nine? Uh, yeah, oh, nine. Yeah, oh, nine right. was. And they went to nine and four that year. You know, so they so they won the title. They won the title in 04. Uh, lost in the title game in 05. 06, they went 11 and 2. I mean, they were still good, but they weren't the same kind of good. Uh, 2007, they were 11 and 2. They went 12 and 1 in 08, Vince, but it was like kind of like a, it wasn't a great 12 and 1. You know, like it wasn't like they were clearly not as dominant as they were in the past. You know, lost to Oregon State. If you remember in 2006, if they beat UCLA on the road, and that was a bad UCLA team, a te- UCLA team that finished 7 and 6 with Carl Durrell as their coach, if they beat UCLA at the end of the year, they play for the national championship against Ohio State. And they choked and lost to USC or UCLA. Uh, again, 2008 team uh, lost – or they, they beat Ohio State early, like smacked Ohio State, but then lost to Oregon State the next week and, you know, pounded Notre Dame. Like, they, they weren't just – they weren't a typical USC team. They're still good. And then, of course, in 09, they went 9-4. and four. And there was also all the stuff hanging over their head with the probation and the investigation into to Reggie Bush. Like he probably would have got fired if he didn't leave. And that's a lot of people said that's the reason he left is because he was going to get fired. Right. Exactly. Because of the investigation. So um, I think they would have trended down. Now they still would have been better than they were under Lane Kiffin and then Steve Sarkeesian and, and Clay Helton, but they they wouldn't have been what they were, in my opinion. So it was it was it was time for a change. And then Matt D says it, everybody. Hey, make there sure y'all give us a like, hit that share button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, never so you never miss a live show. Sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Check out our website at, at irishbreakdown.com. A reminder, we will we will be off tomorrow on Thursday or today on Thursday, depending on when you're listening to it. <laughs> right. We'll be back at one o'clock on Friday to make our prediction show for Notre Dame USC. We'll also predict the, the Ohio State, Michigan, Florida, Florida State. We're going to predict all the big games from this weekend. Looking forward to talking about all those. We'll have Vince on there. We'll have Ryan on there. I'm hoping to get Sean Davis on there after he does his Lucky Lefty show. Nice. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But enjoy your Thanksgiving Day, uh, everybody. We appreciate you all so, so, so very much. And I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. We are so incredibly humbled uh, that you all have decided to jump on board with what we're building here. And it has been a blast. And what better way to end the regular season with my guy, the OG with me, Vince, talking Notre Dame USC, oh, Thanksgiving's man. tomorrow. Notre Dame's won six, you know, what's eight, five in a row, looking for six. Hope they're able to get it done. So, but we'll talk yes. more about that on Friday. So for Vince, 
I'm Brian. Thank you all so very much. Have a great rest of your night. Have a very happy Thanksgiving. Yes. And we will talk to you again very, very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.